On first down, the handoff to Marlon Mack. Huge hole, 50-yard line. He's at the 40, still going near sideline. He's at the 10. He's at the 5, and he will score. Touchdown, Marlon Mack. Touchdown, I-N-D-Y. And again, it's picked off. It's Darius Leonard. Leonard with a second INT, and he's streaking down the near sideline. He's at the 40. He's at the 30. He's at the 20. He's going to go. A pick six for the Maniac. Kenny Moore gets to Deshaun Watson. That's a sack for Kenny Moore. Kenny has a pick and now a sack in the game. Horseshoe is back, baby. The horseshoe is back. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Bring the Juice podcast. I am your co-host, Cody Felger. Derek Larger joining me as normal. We have a special guest on today, a fellow YouTuber, friend of ours, uh, Ian from Jet Central. Ian, how are you doing, man? Uh, I'm doing really good. I appreciate the uh, the invitation to come on the show. Uh, I, you know, the Colts are one of those teams that I always feel like um, are in it every year. And I've just as a fan of football, I admire the Colts and uh, and their fans. So, Cody and Derek, I appreciate it. No problem, man. Yeah, man, absolutely. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm curious about you, Ian, a little bit about your background and your history here. Obviously, your channel is pretty pretty big. I don't know if it's the biggest Jets channel on YouTube, but it's one of the bigger ones for sure. Over 12,000 subscribers, so you guys should definitely check out his channel. Some good stuff on there. Not just Jets content, but also NFL content, I noticed when I was browsing <laughs> through some of your stuff. I'm curious, man. How did you get started? First off, how did you become a Jets fan? And then also, how did you get started with this whole YouTubing, podcasting type of world? Um, and, and how cool has it been just for you to see your channel grow exponentially like it has? Uh, well, first and foremost, I appreciate the kind words. Uh, but yeah, so being from Florida, um, well, I guess it kind of starts with my parents. My parents were, were both from uh, from Connecticut. And so so they kind of were Jets fans growing up. And so mm-hmm. when me and my little brother were were kids, it was always kind of, you know, Jets were, were on Sundays, right? We'd all go out to uh, to restaurants or to the sports bar, whatever it was. And uh, we'd watch the Jets. And then I was kind of located – I'm located in like South Florida. So there's just a ton of Dolphins fans everywhere. So I go to school with Dolphins fans all the time. And I didn't really want to follow like the status quo. I want to, to, to pick another team. And what better team than the Jets, my, my parents' team, and uh, the rival of, the, of the, the local Miami Dolphins. So that's kind of how I started following the Jets. Um, it was just kind of Im- implemented at a young age that the Jets were kind of like the good guys here. And um, the YouTube channel kind of came about back, I believe, in 2015. Uh, it, it just honestly, it came out with uh, with a little bit of frustration with um, anytime, anytime you like you would turn on like the mainstream sports media outlets, it would just be, you know, uh, kind of bashing the Jets or, you know, replaying the butt fumble over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. uh, no, nobody ever really. Uh, praising the team or saying like uh, or giving any the, giving the team any props or any positives at all, it was always negative, right? Always negative. And also being from Florida, there's no Jets fans around here, so I just kind of wanted to connect with some other Jet fans because I'd never been up to a Jet game like at Met, uh, at MetLife Stadium, you know, during that time. Um, so it was really cool just because I wanted to to you know I was hoping for maybe like five or ten subscribers. Um, and, uh, you know, to, to, to talk Jets football after games and, and to preview the games and stuff like that. And I didn't really think it would turn into something like this, but, you know, I definitely still have a long way to go. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, great job with that. So 
obviously you're you're friends with UCF Jaguar. We had him on the podcast earlier this week talking about the Jaguars and their free agency so far. Um, I went back and looked at some of your videos from, I think it was, yeah, two years ago. And then another, a couple from what you've done recently. I saw the video of you guys watching the draft when you guys got Sam Darnold. I Mm. thought that was a really funny one to watch. I was surprised to see your guys' reactions. Obviously you guys were able to make that trade with the Colts moving up to that third pick and gave us your six in a couple seconds. I think it's safe to say personally that I felt like that trade really did work out for both of our teams. Um, Just me personally, how do you feel after seeing that unfold, having a couple years of that trade to go through? How do you feel your team turned out with drafting Sam Darnold? Right. So, I mean, hindsight's always 2020. Um, but as far as just grading the trade, like looking back on just the trade, so pick three for, I think it was pick six and three second rounders. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought that was a great deal for both teams because everybody knew why the Jets were going to go up and, you know, move to three. Is to, it was to take a quarterback, whether it was Allen, mm-hmm. Rosen, Baker, or Darnold, whoever it was going to be, the Jets needed to get a QB. Like we just could not roll mccown out there and petty out there and hackenberg out there once again yeah. uh, we had to get the quarterback of the future no matter who it was um now based off the trade i thought it was perfect for both teams now you know in that darnold video it was pretty obvious that sam he was my least favorite out of uh the four <laughs> right yeah. um now, my initial kind of thoughts with Sam Darnold going in, because after that video came out, there was a lot of there was like a big misconception that I thought he was a bust and that like I I did not want the Jets to go near him and that he was going to be like a terrible NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. Like kind of going into that draft, I was I was kind of under the the impression of of what I've seen from all four guys that all four were going to pan out. Um, this was going to be one of those quarterback heavy drafts. Um, not like a 2013, like a Geno Smith, uh, Nassib, Glennon type year. I thought this that draft, 2018, was going to be stacked with quarterbacks, right? So mm-hmm. five teams were going to get franchise quarterbacks, uh, including like Lamar Jackson. I, but, you know, I will admit I did not think Lamar would pan out this much or, or yeah. this early. Um, but as far as like the core four quarterbacks, uh, and, and, you know, as everybody knows him as Rosen, Mayfield, Darnold, and uh, Josh Allen – I really had my sights set on Rosen throughout the whole process. Mm-hmm. And then leading up to the draft, it was looking like he was going to be the one that was going to fall. And that mm-hmm. Baker Mayfield was going to be the guy that the Jets were honing in on. There were rumors that the current offensive coordinator at the time, Jeremy Bates, he already met with Lincoln Riley. He already built the offensive system for Baker Mayfield. Um, they were right on track and he was going to be the guy to lead the Jets. So, you know, Last two weeks leading up to the draft, everybody thought it was either going to be uh, Darnold at one or Josh Allen at one. Uh, but then, boom, Baker Mayfield gets picked at one. And at this point, I'm like, oh, my goodness. I was under the impression that Baker Mayfield was going to be the Jets quarterback for, like, the last couple of weeks. Like, I was 100% guaranteed in that. And then the Browns just throw a wrench in everything and take Baker. And at that point, my, my, my head's just swirling because then I'm like, oh, my God, because Darnold's now on the board. He was like QB1 on a, on a lot of teams' mm-hmm. uh, boards. Is the, you know, are the Giants going to pick him now? And if the Giants pick him, now we're going to have to choose between Allen or Rosen. 
Um, so there was like a lot of questions going through my head and then we picked Darnold and I'm, I was kind of under the impression, like I said, I was, I was 100% for Baker Mayfield and I was really, really hoping for Josh Rosen and I wouldn't be upset with Josh Allen. I just didn't know at the time how he would handle the big market. Um, before the draft, I, I met Josh Allen at the senior bowl and you know, he was a totally, totally cool dude. Like the nicest guy <laughs> in the world. Um, so it, it was all a really cool process. Um, leading up to it but then it was Darnold and that was kind of one of the the only uh scenarios that I did not see playing out so I wasn't really expecting it but he had a lot of question marks coming out but to kind of make it full to you know bring it back to full circle to answer your question I think Darnold can be the guy and I Mm -hmm. think the haul that the Colts got like the the picks in return like if you have the opportunity to get pretty much four picks and they're all within the first two to three rounds like you got to do that trade Mm -hmm. and um you know I know the Colts made out pretty well like I think Rocky Sin the corner from Temple was one of our picks and um I, I, I could be wrong. I think it was a uh, Kameko Ture from oh, Rutgers. He was yeah, another one. Kamoko was the one, and obviously, you know, Quentin Nelson at that six pick. I mean, we we everybody recognizes. You know, you guys got Sam Darnold. We got Quentin Nelson. We got a couple other guys. We got Darius Leonard in mixed with that as well. So our two centerpieces came from that trade, basically. Yeah, you know. and it's pretty crazy. I mean, uh, Chris Ballard, the, the Colts GM, is probably my favorite G, uh, general manager in the league right now. I mean, he is just – he is such a knack for developing – or to, 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 to find talent at the college level and then get them in the NFL uh, – or get them in the pro building and then develop them. And I really, okay. really, really like that because you, you never really see the Colts just dishing out these massive mega deals and then two years later just regretting it. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, yeah, so pretty much uh, to kind of just finish it off, I, I definitely think that both teams were quote unquote winners. Um, but I do think at the end of the day, the Colts, whenever you can walk away with multiple high picks, I would say you're probably leaning in the direction of winning the trade. But I mean, is there really like a winner? And I don't think a team like lost the trade. Yeah, if that makes right. sense. Mm hmm. Yeah, and you meant and you mentioned that pick. I believe it was. So I pulled it up here. Looks like you know we got Quentin Nelson at six. You guys got Sam Donald there at three, and then we got picks thirty-seven and forty-nine, and then a second-round pick in twenty nineteen, which we drafted Rocky Sin. We traded down. Uh, we draft you know got Rocky Sin from that one, and then you know we we selected Braden Smith and Kamoko Ture. So two young guys who have flashed and have been good starters for the Colts. Uh, definitely something where, and also Jordan Wilkins out of that as well, somehow. So uh, got, got a d- decent haul from that for sure. Uh, I kind of want to move in now to, to the Jets free agency. And also, you know, there's a lot of connections with you guys getting Rex Hogan, who was formerly with the Colts, uh, but you guys signed Brashad Perriman, who we thought was a guy that the Colts could potentially sign for a bargain type of deal. Uh, you guys have taken on former Colts players with that Rex Hogan connection. Uh, a couple of years ago, you guys traded for Henry Anderson. Uh, I believe you gave us like a sixth or seventh round pick for that. Uh, you guys recently acquired Pierre Desir, who we, who we released. And then last year, you guys got Matthias Farley, Josh Andrews this year in free agency. So there's a lot of former Colts, it seems like, heading to, heading to New York. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm curious for you, Ian, what have you thought of the Jets free agency so far? So, right. Yeah. 
if if I had to, I guess, just give a grade on it, I would probably say right now it's a B minus. I mean, I thought we attacked the positions of need pretty well, right? Cornerback, offensive line, uh, wide receiver with the Brashad Perryman thing. But I don't I wouldn't give him an A or you know an A minus or anything crazy like that, just because a lot of the guys that we we acquired are like more tier two, tier three kind of guys. Granted, you know, we're not dishing out these mega contracts, um, mm-hmm. you know, putting the team possibly like a step behind in the future uh, or set or, you know, mortgaging the future for for short term gains. Um, but as of right now, I really like what the Jets are building. I just hope that these moves pan out and we're not just taking the cheap route and we're just mm-hmm. saying, well, hey, look, we, we address the offensive line. We just didn't want to spend the money. So uh, this is just the best we're going to get. So here you go, Sam Darnold, like. Good luck protecting, uh, or good luck blocking uh, blocking for Lady Bell, or good luck blocking for Sam Darnold. Um, they're just kind of uh, short, uh, kind of undercutting the fans a little bit, and just kind of just going for the cheaper route because we saw the Cleveland Browns do that for for years and years and years. I hope that's not the plan, but I highly doubt it because it is Joe Douglas's first season as general manager. Um, I think. He might be just a little hesitant, hesitant to pay a guy like Jadavian Clowney or a Jack Conklin or mm-hmm. uh, you know a Logan Ryan or Chris Harris, right? Some somebody that was asking for a lot of money. Uh, so at the end of the day, I do like all the Colts connections. Um, I did think you know we we did pay Henry Anderson a little too much. He did sign a three year extension back last season with the team under I think it was the old general manager. So that contract is kind of it's kind of weird now. Cause he did sign the extension and then the GM got fired. But I would have to say Pierre Desir is my favorite pickup of the team, mm-hmm. you know, throughout the entire, throughout the entire process. So Desir was one of the guys who I always respected and liked for Indianapolis. Cause he kind of came out of nowhere mm-hmm. um, and, and nobody really considers him as like a top five, top 10, top 15 corner, but he's, you know, outside of last season, he was a durable guy who played a lot, played on the outside and he challenged number one wide receivers. And I really, really like that um, mm-hmm. from Indianapolis's defense. Yeah. I mean, I really liked what you guys have done so far with building depth at some of the key positions, you know, offensive line, like you mentioned, uh, the Colts are struggling with that right now. Cause you know, we've gotten a lot of our guys taken away from us, but uh, yeah, an offensive line at linebacker at corner, you guys are putting together good ones there. So Obviously, I think I have a good idea of what some more needs you guys have, but what's the biggest needs that you feel the Jets are in need of right now? So I would actually say instead of like, you know, giving you like one position like, oh, we need wide receiver or, oh, we need left guard or something like that. I'm just going to say we need explosiveness on offense. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have nobody to take. I mean, outside of Brashad Perryman, but we lost Robbie Anderson we have Jamison Crowder and Le'Veon Bell, and nobody's really no defensive coordinator out there um, is game planning for a Jamison Crowder or a Brashad Perryman or a Ron Griffin at tight end. Like nobody's doing that. We have to get explosive playmakers that can actually impact the game offensively, that can create on their own, that don't need um, you know somebody to be double teamed on the other side for them to make a play. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to the draft because you know sitting there at spot number eleven. There's going to be guys available like Henry Ruggs, like Jerry Judy, like CeeDee Lamb. And I'd have to say if the season, if the draft was tomorrow, 
CD Lamb would probably be the number one guy who I would take. Um, and I know a lot of Jets fans would disagree and they got to say, you know, they would, they would say like, oh my God, like what about Andrew Thomas and Tristan Wirfs and Mekhi Becton and, and all these different guys, Jedrick Wills, because we still do need help on the offensive line. But I, I'm, I'm kind of in that, that, that ballpark where I'm looking at the Jets offense and yeah, even if Sam has time to throw, we have no threats at wide receiver at all. And, um, you know, even backup quarterback, we don't have backup running backs. We don't have, uh, we're just a thin offensive team and I just want to get explosive and, and dynamic and creative on offense. And we can't really do that without any explosive players. So that's kind of my biggest overall need post kind of free, mm-hmm. like that first wave, first and second wave of free agency. I still f- feel like we lack that, 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 um, that uh that enforcer on offense i mean we do have Le'Veon, but he's kind of i don't want to say he's a shell of himself but uh you know i, I still feel like we we just we lack that number one guy on the outside mm-hmm. and if that guy were to go down we have absolutely nobody so that's kind of my biggest concern right now yeah i think it's interesting that you pointed out you need some playmakers on offense some guys who are going to do that i feel like personally now as we stand the colts are kind of in the same boat like the Colts, you know, there, there's so much unknown, at, especially at the wide receiver and even the tight end position, arguably. I mean, you got Jack Doyle, who is kind of, you know, he's a good tight end, but he's not a tight end that's going to take the top off a of defense. And then you have question marks all throughout your receiving core. You know, T.Y. Hilton's getting up there in age. He was hurt last year. He was 18, but he played through it. And, uh, you know, just question marks about how much longer can he do it. And then you have, you know, Paris Campbell, who's unknown, Zach Pascal, who had a decent year, but, you know, he you'd probably want him to be your number four receiver and so I totally get what you're saying you need guys that you know don't need you know if you even if they're double team they can go up there and they can make a play and that's actually Derek and I recently and this will be posted after the podcast but we recently recorded Derek's mock draft 2.0 and he you know in that mock draft he was talking about some guys who are really good at going up and getting the ball um, especially at the wide receiver position and that's a big need that the Colts need uh, so moving on here to kind of the Colts offseason from a Jets perspective, obviously we lost Pierre Desir, and uh, we lost some other other guys who you know were probably Pierre Desir. I would say was the only real surprise for me that the Colts got, but brought back Anthony Costanzo, traded our number thirteenth pick for DeForest Buckner, signed Xavier Rhodes, signed Sheldon Day, signed some other guys, some other second tier backup type of guys. What has your impression been? of this Colts 2020 off season. So, and first I just kind of want to make a comment on, on the, uh, the, the whole mock draft thing that you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. It's funny because I feel like if the Colts didn't stream their first round pick for uh, DeForest Buckner, like in every one of the mocks that I was personally running through, um, I was, ha- I was like pegging in a Henry Ruggs. I was pegging in a Jerry Judy, a mm-hmm. uh, CD lamb. Like I really feel like the Colts, um, they kind of they're they're looking at the wide receiver position as well, and you, you know you made a great point. I I think that's a, a thin position as well. But the good thing for you guys is you can target a Denzel Mims in the second round, or a Michael Pittman, um, or a Jalen Rieger at a TCU, right? So you can get wide receiving depth in rounds two, three, and four. Even a guy like Tyler Johnson out of Minnesota, mm-hmm. um, yeah, who would come in and make an impact, right? It, it, he wouldn't just be buried on the depth chart. But um, no, to answer your question, to, to to kind of grade or to look at the Colts offseason, outside of the Phillip Rivers deal, I think it's a slam dunk. I love what Chris Ballard's doing. 
Um, with DeForest Buckner, I mean, and th- I think did the Colts sign him to an extension like the minute that they traded for him? Yeah, it was yeah, a four year extension four worth eighty four million. So yeah, he's and, getting most of that in the back end of the deal too. So if things don't go well, then the Colts aren't losing as much as they originally could be. Right. So, I mean, even better. So you're signing him to a four-year team-friendly extension. Uh, DeForest Buckner, when I looked at him coming out of Oregon, uh, obviously a top 10 pick, he was one of my favorite players in the draft. And then he's on San Francisco in a loaded defensive line with Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas and all these different guys, Eric Armstead. Um, He was still one of my favorite guys. So for only – and I know like, oh my god, it's a first-round pick. Like you're not in the first-round top 15 pick anymore. Um, like you don't have that 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 nice asset. You're getting a guy who's going to be the anchor of the defense, who's going to create pressure up the middle. Um, you know, with long arms, he's a tall dude. I think he's six foot six or six foot seven or something like that. Um, who he's just a force to be reckoned with in the middle of the field, and you sign him to an extension. So I love that move. Um, I know you guys brought in Sheldon Day and Xavier Rhodes. Those are two like underrated moves in my personal opinion. Um especially Xavier Rhodes, because I feel like with Matt Eberflus, the Colts defensive coordinator, who's one of my favorite corner coordinators in the league, he seems to really be able to maximize tier two and tier three type of players. So now you get a guy in the building like Xavier Rhodes, who in recent years has dominated the NFL, not last season, obviously, but you know, he's been a pro bowl guy. He's been a guy that, that follows number one wide receivers. Everybody, you know, watch those, uh, that, that Vikings giants game on Monday night football a couple years back where he just single-handedly just shut down Odell Beckham jr. Just with ease. Um, so if he, you know, and, and guys like TJ Carey and whatnot from Cleveland, if you guys get these, uh, dudes in the building healthy and ready to go for the regular season, I think this Colts defense, um, is definitely, uh, a force to be reckoned with. And especially when you take a look at the division too, that they play in, I think Houston is kind of making these weird, strange moves, getting worse as a team. And I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are pro- you know, pretty much worse as a team as well. So I think the Colts are, you know, getting better, but I don't think they're doing that in a way of like, you know, uh, I think it all kind of goes back to throwing out cash, um, in an unnecessary manner or in a flashy manner, they're kind of building for the long term, right? Like a six, seven year plan uh, that's going to set them up really, really nice for, you know, in years three and four and five. Um, and I still feel like they're kind of in the middle of the rebuilding year. I, I felt like the year that they made the playoffs, not this past one, but the year before that, 2018, I thought that was a little bit of like an anomaly. Um, but I still, I still kind of think. When I think about the Colts, I still think of a rebuilding team, but you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. That's my personal opinion. I don't know the Colts as well as you guys, um, and I know you guys have all the details, and you know you guys watch every single snap of Colts football, so you guys would know better than me, but that's kind of just my take on it. Yeah, and I wanted to kind of double back on a few things that you said and kind of touch on them because I thought you made some good points there. The first thing about DeForest Buckner, you know, obviously it's the 13th pick, so it's a high pick. It's a valuable pick. But I kind of look at a guy that's obviously better, Aaron Donald, one of the, you know, the best defender in the league, one of the most disruptive three techniques in the league. Uh, and you look at a guy like DeForest Buckner, who I'd say right now, I mean, he's still coming into his own. He's an elite player, but I, I'm, I'm not going to put him in the Aaron Donald category, obviously. But you think of a guy like that, you think of some of the top defenders, especially the defensive line, 
And you kind of look like, what would Aaron Donald go for? If the Rams were like, we're going to trade Aaron Donald, what would what could they get out of him? I feel like they could get multiple first-round picks out of a guy like Aaron Donald. Then you look at what the Colts gave up. Yeah, it's pretty high for a 13th overall pick. But for where you're probably going to project to, you know, Derek in his first mock draft kind of projected the Colts to maybe be looking at that three technique before this trade, looking at a guy like Javon Kinlaw or one of those guys, Derek Brown, and uh, kind of thinking. It, it makes a lot of sense to me because you're not giving up multiple picks for one. You're only trading one pick, and you're basically drafting DeForest Buckner, a guy who's been a first-team All-Pro and has had double-digit sacks in his career. Last year, he only had seven and a half sacks, but shouldn't that – 49ers defensive line was just loaded all the time. So he's a dominant three technique. And with the, the style of the Colts play of this defense, I believe Derek, we were talking about, you know, I think Tony Dungy was talking about basically the three technique. And yeah. he was like, and he was basically saying the same thing. He's like the three technique, it drives this defense. It mm-hmm. really does. It's a huge thing in this defense. And to get a player like the force Buckner's caliber, a guy who can single-handedly wreck a game for only the 13th pick, I'm personally on board for that because you know what you're going to get right away. Like Javon Kenlaw and Derek Brown could be great players in the NFL. Right, exactly. The facts are they're going to be rookies, right? And you don't know they, – they're hoping to get to the level that DeForest Buckner is currently at. And so I like that. I like what you said there. I think that that, that makes a lot of sense uh, from my perspective, and I really like the move personally. Right, and uh, and off your point, like, let me just ask you, who's the second best defensive tackle in the league? Probably like, him. you probably couldn't even think. Like, yeah, you yeah, you think Aaron, and then you'd think everyone else below that. Yeah, yeah, and if you say, yeah. oh, it's DeForest Buckner, nobody would tell you you're wrong. You can make an argument right. that DeForest Buckner right now is the second best, you know, defensive tackle in the league behind Donald. And, you know, Donald is kind of, you know, once in a whatever, a generation type of player. So it is what it is, mm-hmm. but... Uh, especially in like in this day and age of, of football where I feel like the edge rushers are they're, they're just uh, a little bit I don't want to say they're being neutralized but they're I would say they're a little bit less important than creating the havoc creating the pass rush from the interior just because quarterbacks are getting the ball out of their hands so quickly everybody's in shotgun you know so you have to mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, in, in three step drops, like with the amount of screens and the amount of slants that we see from, you know, teams like the Saints and the Chiefs and all these high flying teams, um, the Eagles, like th- there's you have to create pressure up the middle. Like you have to do that. And if that was the biggest need or one of the biggest needs for Indianapolis to go out and just trade one pick for DeForest Buckner and you then sign to a four-year extension, it's not like you're, you know, it's not like a Jadavian Clowney situation where you're going to say, okay, we're going to sign him for the year, and then if he plays well, you know, we'll extend him. Or if, you know, we think he fits with the defense. It's no, we got him in the building. He's obviously a dominant player who is produced at a high level. He's still young. And and on top of that, we signed him for, you know, an extra four years at a team-friendly deal. Like, you cannot beat that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I got one more question for you. I don't know if Cody will have an extra one here, but I think this is my last one for you. So uh, what is your realistic expectation for both of our teams, the Colts and the Jets? Because I personally believe that just from what we've seen in free agency so far and before pre-draft, obviously, uh, I think that both of our teams have gotten exceptionally better. Obviously, the Colts adding uh, all these pieces on defense – and getting Philip Rivers, I definitely think increases us right now. 
And then with the Jets, obviously, you guys getting offensive line depth, trying to get Rashad Perryman. You'll most likely get a wide receiver in the draft, maybe two, to kind of help add to this. And, you know, you obviously got a few pieces on the defense. So I think both teams have realistically gone uh, up by a good standard. What do you think for both of ours? Uh, well, let me just ask you like a quick question about Indianapolis, just because I'm really curious. Okay. Um, as far as the Colts quarterback position goes, you have Brissett, you have Phillip Rivers. Do you see the Colts maybe targeting a guy in the second or third round, like a Jacob Eason or somebody? Um, actually, I, I am of the belief, and I know a bunch of others will disagree. That's fine. But um, I think the only way that right now the Colts go for a quarterback is if they are if it's Jordan Love. That's the only reason I would think that if Jordan Love were to fall, say go back beyond 23, somehow, some way, and then they decide to uh if they take the chance on it, maybe trade those two second rounders to go after Jordan Love to know you got your quarterback of the future, then I understand. Um uh, maybe maybe somehow, some way Jalen Hurts falls to the, you know, to the third or fourth round. Who knows? Maybe they might take the chance on that. I think they can, but I, I, I just don't think from what I've seen, I don't haven't heard the Colts really make any kind of distinction between those guys, unless it's Jordan Love. I just don't see them really trying to make a push for a guy like that. Okay, cool. So so realistically, it's it's going to be between Brissett and Rivers. Like, I don't know if it's an yeah. open competition. I don't know who's starting. I, I think that him. it's – I think right now it's Phillip Rivers. I mean, they paid him $25 million to be that guy because, you know, I mean, Jacoby Brissett, as great of a player and a teammate that he is, is just not at a Phillip Rivers moment that I think that the Colts feel that way. But obviously this is a short-term thing. They're obviously just going to go one or two years with Phillip and, you know, probably get somebody next year if they don't indeed get a quarterback in this draft. Okay, cool. Fair yeah. enough. So, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, you're good. I was going to say, so a few points why I think, first off, why I think the Colts are probably, if they do take a quarterback, like you said, if a guy falls, like Jordan Love, you take him. But, you know, I'm kind of thinking if they do draft a quarterback, I would probably not do second or third. I'd probably see them fourth or fifth round just because the some of the moves that they've made, trading to DeForest Buckner, signing Xavier Rhodes, signing some of these guys. Besides DeForest Buckner, I think pretty much all these guys are on one-year deals. So for me, that signifies that you're not tying yourselves to guys. And it signifies to me, especially with the Phillip Rivers signing, you think you can win now? You think you can compete now? <laughs> And so I think what they're going to do in the draft is just try to give Philip Rivers some weapons because the Colts have not done anything in terms of bringing back maybe Reese Fountain, who's a guy that's kind of floated between the, the practice squad. They've made no significant moves in bringing any guys in in free agency. And so for me, it signals that the Colts are probably going to try to build around Philip Rivers, give him some weapons and try to compete this year. And again, if it doesn't work out, if Philip Rivers is as bad as he was last year, then I think it's fine because you can find your quarterback of the future. Maybe if you draft the guy fourth or fifth round, maybe you see what you got there. But to me, it just signifies that, to, that the Colts are probably going to try to build around him and maybe try to push off the quarterback, you know, trying to find that quarterback of the future immediately uh, and maybe look at that next season. Um, so that's kind of what it signifies to me. And also, you know, with the Phillip Rivers 
connection. He has a connection with Frank Reich, the head coach, the offensive coordinator, Nick Sirianni, and I believe the tight ends coach as well. I just read that, I think, somewhere. So for me, I kind of think that it makes a lot of sense in terms of the types of quarterbacks that felt that we know when Andrew Luck was here with the Colts, Frank Reich talked about all these things that he loves from Andrew Luck and he values in a quarterback. And one of them was accuracy, make quick decisions. You know, all, there's a lot of things. You can go back and look at kind of all the things that Frank Reich listed. But I kind of look at Phillip Rivers. He's a very accurate quarterback, right? He pushes the ball down the field. Yeah, I know those 20 plus interceptions. They're frightening. And, Phillip, and Frank Reich acknowledged they're unacceptable, right? But the big thing I think is he does a lot of the things based off of what Frank Reich, he just had a press conference a couple of days ago, based off of what Frank Reich has talked about that he's looking for in his quarterback position. I think Phil Rivers is the right fit. And again, there's argue there's arguments about, well, has time father time caught up with Phillip Rivers? You know, what's the deal? Why did he turn the ball over? Why did he have such a terrible season last year? But I think as far as the system, Frank Reich said, Phillip Rivers knows about 80 to 85% of the playbook. And so it's, it's a good fit, I think right there. And then, you know, if Phillip Rivers just completely bombs you kind of have a viable option there with Jacoby Brissett if indeed you don't address the quarterback position in the draft at all this year yeah I 100% agree with you and I th- I still think Brissett I'm a big Brissett guy uh, I'm not I and don't get me wrong I love Philip Rivers like early you know the early San Diego Chargers days and stuff like that I huge fan but just based off of last season I think I would lean more towards a Brissette or if, you know, you play a guy like Rivers and he struggles early, right? Let's say the Colts are, you know, one in five or, you know, he's just turned the ball over at a crazy rate or they're going three and out, three and out. I would have a really short leash with a Phillip Rivers. That's me personally. I still think Brissette has room to get better. I still like Jacoby as a quarterback. I'm not saying he's Rodgers or Mahomes or Drew Brees, but... I do like Brissett, and I can see him kind of as like the game manager style of quarterback. Uh, but kind of in regards to you know the original question, which was you know how I think the Colts will finish or how I think both both teams will finish. Talking about the Colts first, I think they will be in the mix for winning the division. That's just me, just based off of you know uh, you know looking at their moves that they made, looking at their coaching staff, looking at still you know having the draft. And also the the teams in their division. And the one thing that I feel like bodes really well for Indianapolis that's really going to help them or benefit them, even if they don't finish in first place, like say Houston, you know, Bill O'Brien this whole time is a genius and, you know, DeAndre Hopkins falls off for Arizona and David Johnson wins, you know, comeback player. Just some like crazy thing happens, um, you know, or Tennessee just continues its, its dominant role. There's three wild cards in the AFC this season. Okay, so Indianapolis, they can do enough to just hang around. They can get nine wins or, you know, eight to nine wins and still be in the playoff race. So I like Indianapolis. I I think when I take a look at the the entire division, that Frank Reich is far and away the best coach in the division. And I also think that they have the best staff in the division as well. So I look at Indianapolis and I think they're going to um, have a lot of success this season. I don't think they're going to have like 11, 12, 13 wins, anything crazy, crazy. Like they're not going to be dominant. Um, but I do think they're going to be in the thick of things as we start to roll into December. You know, of course, if the season starts on time, but um, once playoffs kind of start to roll around and like the seeding starts to, to, to you know, come up in, in conversation, I think the Colts are going to be right there. Um, I, I really do believe that. 
Um, now, as far as the New York Jets go, I personally like the team. I just don't really like Adam Gase. Um, I've never been a Gase guy when he was back in Miami. Never really was a fan either. Um, I think right now the Jets will be a better team than last season, but I don't think their record will show it. I think they'll get six wins next season because we have we have a, a straight gauntlet of a schedule. We have to play teams like Kansas mm-hmm. City and you know Tampa Bay and New Orleans, and you know I, I don't want to count the Patriots out. They're not going to be some horrible team. So we still have to play them twice a year. We still have to play the Bills who look like a great team, you know, under McDermott and these guys. So I think the Jets will finish somewhere with, you know, six wins considering, or, you know, with, with not having the schedule in front of me, but just knowing the teams we play, the opponents, um, I think we'll probably finish fourth or third in our division. But um, yeah, that's just kind of my honest opinions on both teams. You should see how you should see how my friend Josh uh, uh, feels about Adam Gase. Oh my gosh, his hatred towards Adam Gase. He's not even a Jets fan. He's Colts fan like myself, but yet he hates Adam Gase. Absolutely hates him. (laughs) I mean, so you're not you're not uh, you even got a Colts fan that's telling you that guy should be gone. Yeah, and, and it's crazy because I like guys like, you know, Greg Williams and Jamal Adams and Le'Veon Bell and Darnold. And, you know, we have like likable guys that I feel like will steer the team in the right direction. But I feel like the captain of the ship is is he's like the cancer of the team right now. And it, it, we just can't go where until he's removed. So that's kind of my thoughts. Yeah, and we know that very well as Colts fans. I mean, we had to endure Ryan Grigson for years, a guy who destroyed this franchise, really basically was the primary culprit for why Andrew Luck retired. He just did not do anything to protect his star quarterback. So we totally feel you there on just the guys who are making the decisions. If they're not good, no matter how good of players you have, it trickles down, and it it's something where it impacts the entire organization. So – we definitely understand and feel your pain there. Well, Ian, thank you so much, man, for coming on to this podcast. It was a lot of fun. Uh, we'll have to maybe when draft time comes around here in the next few weeks, maybe reconnect or maybe after the draft, we'll kind of see how it goes for both of our schedules. But yeah, man, so you have a YouTube channel as well. Where can people find you? What do they have to type in to kind of find your YouTube channel? Yeah, well, thanks again for having me on. You know, I had a great time and, uh, you know, I'm always down to talk Colts. You know, I know I'm a big Jet fan and stuff like that. But Indianapolis, like I said, at the uh, at the start of the palm, I respect them. I love Chris Ballard, Frank Reich, incredible decision uh, decision to hire him after, you know, McDaniels bailing out on the team. Yeah, that was just a complete disaster. Um you know, so it is what it is. I love the Colts. And uh, yeah, so I, I run a YouTube channel, like you guys mentioned. It's called Jet Central, just one word on uh, on YouTube. You can follow me on Twitter, on Instagram. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that's pretty much where you can find me. I pretty much just talk all things New York Jets, a little bit, bounce a little bit around the NFL, like weekly picks and kind of breaking news, stuff like that, like trades and coaching hires, coaching fires, all that good stuff as well. So, uh, so yeah, thanks yeah. a lot. Yeah. Absolutely, man. We'll have to do it again sometime. Take care, man. Thanks a lot.